pop, pop, pop at the top of the show. So I only have one thing written down for Dreaded Discourse. Do you have anything written down, Adam? I have nothing written down. God, Christ, let me take that again then. I don't, I don't want to make you look bad. <laughs> yeah, you do. Welcome, everybody, to episode 47 of Scary Boys, Scaring Boys, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of horror movies by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Clever Villain, and allow me to introduce my co-host, it's Adam Scarvantes Wagner. What did you call me? I said, uh, Adam Scarvantes Wagner. <laughs> It wasn't even funny the second time. You gave me a chance. What did you think I called you? I was just trying to make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, right. Like I'm going to get canceled because I said Wagner in a Transylvanian accent. Yeah. Uh, I understand. It did sound bad. And uh, I'm sure it'll get cut from the episode, so I'm not worried about it. We can take it again. Nope, we can't. We're going we're gonna to keep going because everyone knows I said Wagner in a Transylvanian accent like sure. I do on all Scary Boys, Scaring Boys episodes. Uh, right. Adam, how's it going this week? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I saw a scary movie of my own, not only last night for the podcast, but one that you did not warn me about. Oh, that's right. Well, uh, let's get into it immediately then, uh, because that's going to be part of our media diet segment. As as listeners, hardcore listeners of the show, uh, Adam's mother, know we have a new segment right up top that we do called Media Diet, where we talk about all of the stuff that we've been watching or listening to or reading, God forbid, reading uh, from the week prior. So Good one. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I have to shoot myself in the foot before you do it always. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, should we introduce our guest before we get into that? Uh, yeah, he might have seen something cool. Yeah. Let's hope that the landscaping crew that's literally right outside his window has gone away for now. Uh, please welcome to the show again a returning guest from our Point Break. Point Break, point break Trent. Yes, returning from our Point Break episode is a cinematographer and good friend of the show, Justin Moore. Justin, uh, have they left the window yet? Yeah, I think we're good, guys. Hey, okay, all right. Technical (laughs) difficulty. Yeah, everybody, please welcome uh, Justin Moore to the show. Uh, Justin, uh, slasher expert extraordinaire, here to talk about, of course, um, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but a a movie that you you like quite a bit, celebrating its 40th birthday, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, we have to hear Adam complain about the Zawalski film Possession. (laughs) So what's the deal? It's making its rounds because it's a new restoration. Yeah, there's a brand new 4K restoration that Metrograph Pictures has put out. I think and, this uh, was the 40th anniversary, right? It is, yes. 1981, yeah. uh, a year that we can talk about a little bit during this pod, uh, went absolutely crazy with the horror movies. And um, Adam watched it for the first time, and uh, mm-hmm. proud of you, Adam. What would you think of it? Thank you. Uh, I really I keep going back and forth between really? it was brilliant and it was stupid. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I, th- I thought yeah. you were fully on the side of it's insane and means nothing and is very stupid. I mean, that is part of it, but it's more of like the more you talk about it and think about it, there are tidbits there. Mm-hmm. However, it is still like directed by Tommy Wiseau and it's hard to get out of that feeling. <laughs> and, uh, Justin, have you seen Possession? I haven't. Somehow. Okay. So you're going to hear us talk about the, and he, Adam's not like off base here. Like he usually is on the show. Uh, it, it does feel like simultaneously directed by Kubrick, the way the camera's moving, but dramatically by like Tommy Wiseau. Like it's like so insanely over the top, but Adam, you, 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 you tell us, tell us what you thought of it. I mean, it's, 
interesting. I think maybe maybe it's my own fault for like getting my hopes up and I wanted to see something real, you know, intense and terrifying. And I was hoping that would be this. About half an hour in, I was pretty tempted to leave. <laughs> that bad? Yeah, it was it was almost unwatchable, I would think, with the performances wow. and everything and trying to find its footing. It was ridiculous to the point where for for most of the movie people were laughing. And I feel like that is definitely not the intention, but how could you not laugh at that movie? Yeah, it's yeah. very weird because it's the only movie I've ever seen in any capacity where you have the people who've already seen the movie because it is in repertory. Half of them are split between like more people should be laughing in the theater and then the other half are like people need to not be laughing during this movie. It's a very serious movie. So I even the people who have seen it don't know what it is, which makes it an extremely unique movie in that matter. I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I, I working in the projection booth a lot, I'll look out and I'll see clips of it. And it's got it's over the top. It's crazy over the top. But I think it is intentionally over the top, but I don't think it's intentionally supposed to be funny. That's my thing. I just think it's supposed to be crazy. I think it was crazy. I don't know if in a good way, though. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, we were kind of talking about it after, and I think the blocking is pretty fantastic. The camera that they were using in the movement was great. And on the exact opposite side of that spectrum, the audio was awful oh, it was God. abysmal the yeah the mixing on the audio of the restoration that you can just tell that they got there and we're like there's nothing we can do it's just it's just like the most mono audio which is funny because we play it in our, our theater with seven point run surround sound and it's like people come it does look incredible but it's like yeah you're completely right it's funny you point that out because, uh, you know, when I go say hi to everybody before a screening, I can't give them the context of this is a 4K restoration. It's going to look amazing. Hey, by the way, it's going to sound really shitty. So just uh, stick with that. You know, I can't <laughs> warn people it's going to sound bad. Otherwise, they're going to be expecting it to sound bad. And I don't want to do that. But um, I'm glad you liked the framing and like the way the camera moved and stuff. I mean, it is. It, it Would you say the movie it, like escalates? It keeps getting like like. Like a movie like Magnolia is heightened dramatically for three hours. I think that's why it's extremely impressive. I feel like this movie heightens very, very much for two hours until it comes to this like insane finale. I would say it heightens about like 45 minutes in. It starts. Right. But until then, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's nothing almost. Mm -hmm. It's like finding uh, it's, it's like trying to be a slow burn, find its footing. And then it like that's why movies that are slow burns usually have big reveals or add up to something at the end and this one doesn't seem to do that right but to be fair i think that actually did pay off in, to credit in the movie mm -hmm. i think when it does get to sort of the the stuff that i was personally hoping for i think it worked pretty well well let me make this easier on you adam uh it's a masterpiece uh so we can just <laughs> go around saying it's a masterpiece maybe we'll uh -huh. do it on this uh show next season for scary boys scary boys but let me tell you what i've been watching king uh halloween movies i went and saw halloween kills uh, of course we're a little late on that so we won't talk about that but i realized that going into halloween kills there's like, i think there's 12 of them now and the reason i know that is because everybody's putting their letterbox rankings and it fits perfectly into three rows of four so there's 12 halloween movies i think canonically and i i had only seen halloween the original i watched uh with justin last year halloween three and i oh, had yeah. seen the halloween 2018 movie so I'd only seen three of them going oh, in. Oh, you hadn't seen the Rob Zombie ones? Is that why you were watching them this week? Oh, you're right. I have seen uh, the first Rob Zombie one. So gotcha. I've seen three movies that are called Halloween <laughs> and then <laughs> Halloween 3. Uh, so, But I hated, hated the Rob Zombie one when I saw it. I thought it was yeah. too mean. I thought it yeah. was 
kind of ugly. But uh, just real quick, we're going to go through what I watched this week. So I watched uh, Halloween Kills, obviously, which I didn't care for at all. And then I watched uh, Halloween H2O on the same night, which, um, man, that movie felt so quaint compared to Halloween Kills. Like, nothing happens in that movie. It's crazy. Like, if, if, like, if you watch it again, it truly is set in, like, one location. There's a buildup of it being 20 years after the original, and geez like jamie lee curtis is really good in it and it's solid and like efficient but it's nothing other than that uh have you seen it recently justin uh which one the Hall- Rob- halloween h2o 20 years later no. that's gonna be uh one of the worst movie titles in history right <laughs> yeah yeah i was uh i was talking to a listener of the pod jen about it and uh she was like wait what's it called the halloween like why is it like like water i'm like yeah i don't know why they did this <laughs> <laughs> but uh um, um, yeah, i don't sorry, think i've ahead. ever seen it yeah i don't think i've ever seen it the first one i ever saw though was halloween resurrection when i was like eight. <laughs> oh wow yeah see i don't even think i'll even make it so, i remember when that came out when i was young i was in a casino and my parents were like go see a movie or whatever and i was like i will not see that because i'm just too scared it looks too scary <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean i vaguely remember it i don't think i've seen it since it's like i think buster rhymes is in it and yeah. like it's like it's like a reality show, like the whole thing's being like streamed online or something. Yeah, Big Brother uh, was really popular around that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and uh, he Busta Rhymes has the the classic Halloween line of a trick or treat motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, how did it take that many Halloween movies <laughs> to get to that line? Uh, oh, but I don't want to bore the listener. Uh, I know I do that all the time, but we'll just go through it really quick. So Halloween H two O, I do recommend it. It, it. I can see how it was a big letdown because. Uh, this is well, God. This makes me feel so old. So, mathematically, Adam, Halloween H two O when it came out when I was seven was it takes place twenty years after John Carpenter's original from nineteen seventy eight. Now we've already doubled that. The twenty eighteen version comes out twenty years after Halloween H two O. How does that make you feel? Why didn't they call it Carbon Four Twenty or something stupid? <laughs> I mean, no. I think they called it something even dumber. Halloween. They just were like, we're just gonna call this one Halloween. Um, but no, then I watched Halloween two, uh, which, uh, not Halloween kills and not Halloween two, the sequel to Carpenter's original. I watched the Rob zombie Halloween two, um, which, uh, was shot on 16 millimeter at least. Like I could tell immediately <laughs> it was like, well, this was shot on film. And like, there's some, like, there's some wides that look pretty damn good with some fog. Uh, and zombies, Michael Myers is like seven feet tall. Uh, but the, his movies are just that movie, especially Octavia Spencer is in the first scene. <laughs> and uh well there's so many great character actors in this movie it's fantastic uh shout out bria grant in that movie of mm. course and i ha- you know has a pretty big role and is fun in it, it but is it is without a doubt the most brutal killing i have seen in a movie and it's just like like are we trying to what's we're we trying to set a tone here i get that but like this is just so mean and there's no reason for it so tonight uh i'm gonna watch the original halloween 2 the the one that picks up right after the original because i haven't seen that one so uh, I'm just going to keep kind of diving down that franchise hole, and we'll see if uh, any fruits come out of it, if, any of, <laughs> if anything comes of this, of this adventure I'm on right now. Uh, yeah, sorry. So when I was, I think it was in middle school or like early high school, I was hanging out with my friend Ryan. I have a listener of the show, um, and he told me, he was, he's a big fan of Rob Zombie, or at least he was, and he told me, I didn't know anything about him, that Rob Zombie had his, Rob Zombie had his pupils removed and is legally blind um, just so he could look spookier. And I thought about that for years until one day Ryan was like, oh, I, I was just kidding. 
was like, what a quality for a director to have is just not be able to see. Um, I, you know what? My main takeaway from Halloween 2 is that I think Rob Zombie is a director. Uh, not, I'm not going to say like good director. I think he is a director. I know he's not a writer. That 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 is a fact. Like watching his movies, although Devil's Rejects is okay. I was I gonna just say feel, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects are pretty solid. Yeah, no, I think he has a vision in it, like a, a like a solid aesthetic. Like what what do they call it? Um, like redneck horror or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, which leads to some really fun character actors being in like all his movies. But he, he had he's not a writer. I mean, every time someone opens their mouth in these movies, I'm just like, no, dude. <laughs> like this is not. I don't want to hear about this. But. Let's move away from all this. Uh, Justin, uh, what was your media diet like this week? Do you have anything? Uh, did, you, did you see anything fun you want to share? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've also just been kind of watching horror movies in October. Uh, I usually go harder than I, I did this year just because I've been kind of like in the middle of moving and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I think you and I were talking about this recently. Like October is the only time of the year like I allow myself to watch like just trash horror. Yeah. Like, I'll watch horror any any month, any day of the year, yeah. but, like, I'm not going to sit down and watch something I know, like, you know, Slumber Party Massacre 2 right. or something in, like, July. Like, I'm just not going to do it. There's but, something freeing about it, honestly. Yeah. Like, Adam knows I like to light some candles and sit down and watch. Like, one of the movies I watched last week that I didn't want to bring up in Media Diet was Sorority Row from 2009. I was just like, this <laughs> is the only time of year I can allow myself to do this. And yeah. I I completely enjoyed it. I We'll talk about how, and I know we're, I hate, like, reducing this show or even, like, talking about, like, what was your favorite kill in this movie? Or, like, you know how horror people talk and stuff like sure. that. But that movie had great kills, very innovative kills. And I was like, wow, like people really stepped up. I just watched House of Wax from 2005 the other night. And I was like, oh, this is one of the best studio horror movies of the 2000s. And I remember when it came out, people shit on it because Paris Hilton was in it. And like it has like incredible production design. I'm like, what was the budget on this movie? And I look it up, it's like $40 million. I'm like, what the <laughs> Jesus fuck? Christ. They made a remake of a, a Vincent Price movie, which is actually a remake of Tourist Trap from 1979. But... Uh, and it's $40 million, and now I'm like, yeah, I can see how this dude is directing, like, the Jungle Cruise now. Like, he <laughs> he clearly can handle a budget. But uh, you told me a fun fact about that House of Wax movie. Uh, share it with the listeners. Yeah, there was, like, I vaguely remember this because uh, J.L. Fisher, like, the Dolly Company, like, one of the one of the two main Dolly companies that people use, mm. have the model that they use, or the, the, the exact same Dolly that they used on that movie in their warehouse as, like, a testament to the fact that it can withstand fire because I think what happened was like they like went home on like a Friday night after mm-hmm. they were done filming, but they left candles lit and it like torched the entire stage that they were shooting on. So they came back like the next day or Monday or whatever. And it was like all just burned into the ground essentially. And uh, like the dolly chassis is still completely intact. It was just like all the rubber and everything <laughs> melted off of it. That that is especially crazy. Well, they're shooting in Australia, and it's nuts. Uh, they got, by the way, they got sued for it by the studio, and uh, it's very funny because the lawsuit was for seven million dollars, and I was like, wait, what? It's not for like ten billion dollars. <laughs> Super reasonable. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so the budget of this movie was actually thirty three million, and they did some uh, Hollywood accounting and just added that in afterwards. But uh, the the funny thing about that candle story is that. The finale of the movie, spoilers for House of Wax, is an, a huge, massive fire. So it's funny that that's not the scene that, you know, <laughs> that burnt down the studio. So, Adam, you ever heard of House of Wax from 2005? Were you born yet? 
you guys are talking about uh, Tarkovsky's the sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for real. It's like a, it's like a bigger. They burn down like a full stage that's like the house of wax in this little town, and and like it's funny because I'm like, oh, that must have been the thing that caused the fire, and it's like, no, they just like left some candles on when they went home. <laughs> <laughs> Dummies, man. Hey, they got a... Now... (laughs) (laughs) Nice try, dude. There was a joke in there about you lighting your candles. Oh, right. Yeah, no. I Yeah, no, I didn't even know that part of the story until Justin just told it. But uh, by the way, uh, it sounds like uh, you're doing some real horror this week, Justin. Uh, Moving. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Something that I famously love to do. You were devastated when I said you couldn't help me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I get I get clowned on in the group chat all the time for fucking helping people. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible quality that I like. I'm a, I'm a big strong boy and I'm pretty good at moving shit around. Um, the, the the irony is that I'm trying to move out of my apartment right now to somewhere else, uh, and I'm looking for a place obviously to rent right now. And I really don't want to move my own stuff. There's nothing fun about that. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like the fifth time I've moved this stuff, so it's no, there's nothing fun about it. But uh, that was Media Diet. Uh, let's move on what, to our... I what, didn't sorry, even tell sorry. you what I watched. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were talking about House of Wax. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, go. Sorry. Yeah. By the way, yeah. we edit this show heavily, so all these clubs and shit won't be in the show. Um, that is so, so fucking funny. You started talking, and I was like, I watched House of Wax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you ate that shit up. You just went for it, bro. Um, so I was, I've been kind of going into the Nightmare franchise, because it's like my least favorite of the major franchises Mm. and uh i've only ever really seen the first one but i've seen it a few times so i was like maybe i should try the other ones and i i watched two three and four Mm -hmm. um three was okay did not care for two or four but you know mildly entertaining Mm -hmm. i also watched bride of frankenstein again which is a great one nice what else? Trick or Treat, also great. Oh, man. On HBO Max right now, everybody. Check Hell out yeah. Trick or Treat. One of my favorites. I watch it every year. I I, I have to watch. I, you may have just made up my mind on what I'm going to watch tonight with Halloween, too. That, that's a hell of a double feature, actually. Hell, yeah. That's good. You know, um, you know what would be sweet? If uh, Trick or Treat used the Sopranos gun R for their R. <laughs> oh, God. So stupid. Well, HBO Max would love that. Yeah. There we go. Make it happen. Uh, Justin, oh. did you go past Nightmare on Elm Street four, or did you just stop there? Uh, I did two, three, and four, and then I just—I've oh. been watching other stuff. So I, I rewatched the uh, David Gordon Green Halloween with some friends oh, the other cool. day. Cool. Which, not in anticipation of seeing the next one, I just <laughs> one of my friends wanted to rewatch it, so we threw it on. It was—you know—it's—it's it's a solid one. Like it's better than it should be. But I—I I, I actually I agree. I think it's probably like one of the best directed slasher movies ever, <laughs> which yeah. is why Halloween Kills is baffling to me it's just completely all over the place and my favorite thing that i just watched which kind of ties into my last episode was i watched the exorcist 2 for the first time really directed by john borman yes who did uh point blank point blank that's which right. i didn't even review the movie because i don't know how you could it was if you've never seen the exorcist 2 just please watch the exorcist 2. Wait, did you say that was your favorite one that you watched no, oh. I just said, the, and finally, like, I was oh. saving myself to just to, to, to like liaison that into my, yeah. my movie for this week. When people talk about the, the Exorcist franchise, they go like, yeah, first one, the masterpiece. Third one, I really, really like. And they just don't t- say about the second one. <laughs> it's um, crazy. Like, I yeah. genuinely don't understand what happened. Is that it has a 2.0 on Letterboxd. Oof. Is that the, is, is that one, that's the one that's called The Heretic, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, have, I actually don't know anything about that one at all. 
Does it taste? Does it take place mostly in the Middle East? Uh, not mostly, but okay. there are like cuts away to it, and it's like kind of confusing. Yeah, it's it's like a few years later, and she's like like Linda Blair's like, oh, I'm perfectly fine. I'm like all great and stuff, oh, and everybody's like, what the fuck? That's wild. Yeah, very strange movie. Yeah, I, uh, I've I've never seen it. Probably won't ever see it. I, I do have a funny story about the Nightmare on Elm Street. Basically, from five onward, is uh, we did a when we reopened uh, the theater. Uh, the Frida Cinema in beautiful downtown Santa Ana, California, Orange County. Um, we did a fundraiser, and I was trying to think about what we could do, like a marathon to get people back. And I know that the horror fans are the backbone of the theater. And uh, we went directly to them and we're like, hey, we want to do a fundraiser. We want to play all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in the theater in one day. And basically, if you fall asleep, you go home. But while you're there, um, you know, in between movies, please tweet out like, you know, the, uh, raise funds for the Frida. Like we're doing this fun thing. So it was highly successful, but there was this kid who's been coming to the theater for a long time. And when I say a kid, he's still like 16 and he probably started coming to the theater when he was like 12. Cause we just don't check. Like if, if a kid comes in, like when he was like 13, he would come in and see movies that he absolutely should not have been seeing. But his dad is like a big art house guy. And, uh, we never ask for like ID for movies. Cause in repertory, I don't think you even have to do that. So um, he walks out after the, I think the sixth one. So we have, still have quite a ways to go in the marathon. And he just looks at me and he doesn't talk to me very often. Uh, and he just says like, um, they just keep getting worse. And he just left. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is such a funny one-liner. Like he wasn't trying to be funny. He was just like, I'm like, oh, are you out of here, Max? Like, is your dad here to come pick you up? Like just making sure he's okay or whatever. He's they just keep getting worse. And I'm like, yeah, no, they do. <laughs> after three, they continue to get worse. Uh, Adam, we don't really talk about like, you know, franchises and stuff, but do you have a preferred franchise of horror and why is it scream? That's a good one. Where did you come up with that joke template? What? (laughs) Um, I mean, my favorite horror movie personally is the thing, but I haven't seen the other two. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny. I mean, yeah, that's not a franchise, but I guess you could, you could back into it and call it a franchise. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's like calling the invasion of the body snatchers a franchise when it's just like the same movie done over and over again. What do you think, Justin? Is, Is that technically a franchise? Um, I feel like you could probably call it a franchise, right? Okay, well, I guess <laughs> I've never heard anyone say this in their lives. I uh, was not expecting this answer. You're I've, fi- I've never I've never thought about it, but I think, like, by definition, if there are at least three of them, it's a franchise. Interesting. So Adam's favorite horror franchise is The Thing. That's so weird, but <laughs> a pretty good pick. I mean, two of the three of them are, are, are good. Right. I, I think it counts just because the, the last one with Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, was a se- or a prequel, technically. Why'd you say her name like that? Because uh, I'm in love with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounded like you were gonna stop. Like the last one with Mary. Like you're on a first name basis with, with Mew. That's weird. Right. I can't. I can't reveal anything, so I forgot. <laughs> oh, okay. That's uh, a touchy subject. <laughs> so Justin, did I uh, did I aptly let you talk about what you uh, watched this week? Yeah. yeah we're good. <laughs> okay. Cool. I didn't steamroll it with just more <laughs> shit that I had watched. Uh, Play me off and start talking about House of Wax again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, no one's watching Squid Game. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching Squid Games. I'm oh, just, wow. I've only seen two episodes so far. I haven't seen it. 
that's where I gave up is after episode two. It was a good show, though. I'm just not watching eight more fucking episodes of that show. <laughs> Can't do it. All right, let's move on to our next segment, the dreaded discourse. Adam, I only have one thing written down this weekend. It looks like, as you know, fans of film festivals, prestige international film festivals, it looks like we have a president uh, at the board of the Berlin Film Festival. Did you see this? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Justin, did you see this? Um, I think I saw you sent in the group chat that they had announced one, but I didn't see who Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam, tell Justin who it was. Again, not invited to the group chat. I hear about it from Zeeshan <laughs> and Justin. You guys love to talk about it. Yep. Yeah, we do. Uh, tell them who the president at the Berlin Film Festival will be in 2022. Uh, Justin, I'll give you a hint. Trevor's effing ecstatic over this choice of director. Oh, was it M. Night? Yeah. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Adam has warmed us of an uh, M. Night Shyamalan presidency, and it is here, folks. Uh, I warned you. I the love end, it. The end times. I love it. A filmmaker who's never had a movie played at a film festival just oh, immediately God. just got right into success distribution is going to be ushering in the new <laughs> the filmmakers of the new world. Uh, very proud of my man. M. Knight and uh, right. Adam, an, what do you think of it? An artist who's obviously very disciplined, very hard on himself, refining his craft over the years. <laughs> I mean, people were upset in the comments. Like, is this a joke? Like, is it, and, like, he had like, he posted something on his Twitter that was like very gracious and like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like, I just love being around like young filmmakers. It's so inspiring. And if I have any information I can pass on to them. I'll try to, but I'm mostly there selfishly to learn from the new school and shit like that. And people are just like, what is this, a fucking joke? (laughs) It's like, no, I'm pretty sure the the official Berlin Film Festival Twitter account's not tweeting out, like, shit posts. (laughs) That would be funny, though. It would be funny if they were like, nah, psych, like, it's it's Alfonso Cuaron. (laughs) Of course it is. This is what his advice is to the young filmmakers. Never let anyone look at your script. Whatever you wrote is perfect. First draft, go. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Correct. Uh, so that was it. That was the dreaded discourse. I didn't see any. I mean, there's bullshit online every week, but I just didn't see anything truly worth talking about. Like last week, I think, what was it? Like the Halloween movies, I guess. Ha- Halloween Kills had come out. And so people were bitching about that. But pretty light on the news this week. Hopefully we get something more controversial next week. I think it's time for a little movie talk. Let's uh, let's chat about it. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I want to let Justin give some context of why he brought, why we're having a 40th anniversary party for my bloody Valentine on the show today. Should I take it away? <laughs> no, sorry. Let me tee you, let me, let me, let me tee you up. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I did My Bloody Valentine. It's my favorite slasher film. Um, and slashers are my favorite of the horror like subgenre. Oof. And I've probably seen this movie like 20 times. Whoa. And uh, I really don't know why it kind of isn't more well regarded. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly, every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, like I feel like this movie should be talked about more or like respected a little more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually I came to it in an interesting way in like, I think it was like 2010. I think I was a freshman in college way to date myself right there. I, um, was like trying to find just like more movies to watch. I was like really kind of doubling down. I'm like, okay, I really like movies. Like, let me like, you know, expand my horizons, yada, yada, yada. And, I remember I worked at the library at my school. So I was like, oh, I'll just like go look at all the like filmmaking books and just kind of 
trying to find something that way. Because all the lists I found online were just like really boring. And it was like the 400 blows, eight and a half, just like the same boring, boring list mm-hmm. over and over again. And then I remember finding a book. It was like a Tarantino book that was like printed in like <laughs> 1993 or something, yeah. 95. I think I know the exact book you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And in the back of it, it was like a list of his 300 favorite movies. And even at that point, I was kind of like, you know, I liked Tarantino, but like I, you know, didn't care all that much. But I was like, oh, you know, like I know he's like known for having weird movie tastes. Like I should, I'm going to like check this book out just to like kind of go through this list. Just because like the movies on it were like weird, obscure things I've never heard of. Like no lists talked about. This is like, you know, before Letterboxd and all that. So it, it sounds weird to say like, I feel like a lot of that information was still a little like harder to find. Yeah, no, for sure. And so I checked out that book and then somewhere in that list was like, uh, it said like my buddy Valentine and it was like my favorite slasher film. And I was like, Oh man, I gotta, gotta find this. You know? Like I love the band. Like I'm, you know, like I know that's where they got their name from. I yeah. gotta see it. And literally like couldn't find it anywhere. It was not online. You, this wasn't like, you couldn't like go on Amazon and be like, Oh, like, let me just go stream my buddy Valentine. This is like kind of before, you know, like Scream Factory and all of these, like kind of like the small boutique, um, like restoration companies were doing things. Mm-hmm. So I found a used DVD on eBay that was a double feature of My Bloody Valentine and April Fool's Day, which is another movie I've made you watch. Yeah. And um, I think it was like 4-3 or something. Like it was like horrible quality, mm-hmm. but that was how I saw it the first time. Yeah, it's 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 wild. Um, well, first of all, you worked at a library. Adam, don't you work at a library? Uh, I work next to a library. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually I actually thought you did work at a library. Um, Book adjacent. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, speaking of like the film section, I I just went to. I feel it's, people are gonna listen to this episode and think that Justin and I hang out all the time. This is not true. We actually don't. <laughs> but we just hung out. Uh, we saw Teton and Lamb as a double feature at the Pasadena or the uh, Pasadena Lemle, and there's a bookstore right next door. And uh, it was just so funny, like walking around. Like Adam, Adam would have jokes on jokes wa- watching me walk through a bookstore. Um, yeah, no, these kids don't know how well they have it today. Like being able to just watch whatever. Like I just played my bloody Valentine at the theater. Like the DCP like looks pretty good, and now there's like a full restoration Scream Factory Blu-ray of it that I own and. It just, uh, yeah, it would have been a movie that even, I mean, yeah, you said you dated yourself. You're, like, still in your 20s, so this was not long <laughs> for, ago. For two yeah. more months. Hey, yeah, yeah. Trevor, Trevor would love to date himself. Uh, yeah. God, it would never. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just funny to think that a movie like this still to this day hasn't really gotten the recognition. Now, if you do the math, this is a 40-year-old movie. I don't know when the Black Christmas discourse started up about people being like, wait, this is a total masterpiece. I know I started trying to champion it like five years ago. And so that would have been like, you know, I I think that we're not too far from the My Bloody Valentine discourse. And I know you said that your favorite subgenre of horror is slasher. This is a subgenre of a subgenre. The holiday slasher. The holiday slasher, which is the best. Like you, you even said another one, April Fool's Day, and of course you yeah. have the iconic Halloween. Uh, we have Black Christmas, which is you know that's my favorite horror movie, Black Christmas. So, and I know Adam, you haven't seen Black Christmas, so we do need to talk about it on the show eventually. Um, it, it's interesting because I had seen Black Christmas when I was like searching for this movie because oh, wow. um, I I think the I think Black Christmas has been 
pretty well regarded. I don't know how long, but at least since I was in high school, because I saw it for the first time, like you right. know, 17 or something, right. 16 or 17. And it was easier to find. Like it wasn't as hard of right. like a search, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because they're just both like low budget Canadian slasher movies. Yeah, I, I wrote down Canadian slasher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like, it's like wow, they have a decent track record up yeah. there. Of uh, Are the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies Canadian too? They probably are. Um, but I just, I just think that it's time is coming for sure. And the more I, you know, like the more we talk about it on the pod and stuff like that, I think that people, cause like, like you said, black Christmas, I, I, it wasn't always, and this is the same as even what Adam mentioned, like the thing, these movies were not the, they get taken back at a certain point. Like people are like, wait, like this is actually black Christmas is actually better than Halloween. You know, like they, they like jump the gun to be like, instead of being like, you like Halloween? Check out Black Christmas. And now it's like you have meet people like me running around. John Carpenter is my favorite filmmaker of all time. But I'm openly like, no, Black Christmas is a better made, scarier, holds up better movie than Halloween is. That yeah. And the, the, that's the way that people have to – like the hyperbole people have to speak with to sell a movie to someone, right? Like you like Halloween. Black Christmas is a better movie. Whether that's true or not, you just kind of say it. So is my bloody Valentine – your it's your favorite slasher you're not saying it's the best slasher i think yeah i don't even between those three like i've seen all of those movies at least 10 times i think like they're all perfect examples of the genre yeah um i think they all have different kind of like vibes to them yeah you know i think black christmas is a lot like scarier meaner of a movie like that like that's a really uncomfortable movie oh yeah like if you like sit and watch it and like 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 the pov and like the creepy breathing and like the the, like that movie is just like a way darker like that's like a space you don't want to like live in very often you know what i mean (laughs) once a year (laughs) halloween i feel like is a lot more just like oh this is like funny and kind of like yeah not hokey but like not as serious i guess yeah halloween will like pack out like i look i always think of things in terms of programming halloween will pack out a crowd you'll hear some laughing it'll be a good time although i will say black christmas is pretty funny like throughout but you're right like the phone calls are genuinely still very uncomfortable and creepy and it's just for like the first slasher i think it's it's really great adam uh you're uh you're you're noticeably silent here do you have any background with the holiday slasher genre do you uh do you have you seen any of the movies we're talking about um i worked my way through the uh charlie brown series great pumpkin <laughs> christmas those, yeah, those are pretty good i thought those are pretty good i mean i know you've seen this movie hopefully so you can you can weigh <laughs> in on it uh so you've heard justin say it was his favorite slasher movie of all time adam what did you think of 1981's my bloody valentine I did not like this movie at all. <laughs> I was okay, so I'm somewhere in the middle, guys. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's a good slasher movie. Uh, I would never say it's my favorite slasher movie, um, but I think that I hate to. And, and Justin, I know you have a bunch of stuff written down. I want to start by say, asking: Did either of you happen to watch the uncut version of the movie? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Adam, do you know if you watched the uncut version? No, I'm not sure. I watched it on Hulu. 
it's it's um the 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 kills are gorier mm-hmm. and they're like unrestored you can tell like <laughs> yeah. it, they get like really pink yeah they look really shitty so yeah. you'll, you'll know that you'll notice that like if there's a part that you thought was violent if it looked really bad that was the uncut version but oh that's a bummer i feel like i would have enjoyed that more they they had to cut 10 minutes i think of like just straight gore basically <laughs> that's all that they cut 10 oh. minutes and when you hear that you think like oh that's is that the canadian version of the mpaa <laughs> and then you see the kills and you're like whoa these are actually really intense yeah. for yeah. uh you know 1980 Canada, right? Like, um, I guess we'll start here, and then uh, Justin, I'll kind of let you take it over. That's kind of the new format of the show: is the expert comes on and talks about it. But did we have a favorite kill from the movie? I think this is a movie that has some really good kills. Um, uh, I don't know, Adam. Did you? What was what, what sticks out in your mind? What, was there a moment where you were like, "Whoa, that was"? Although, if you didn't watch the uncut version, you you might not even have a favorite kill in the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking about. Is because I noticed specifically in the movie, like the way that it would cut away from these things, it would uh, barely show it, and I wanted more of that. Okay, so and, you didn't watch the uncut version. <laughs> no, and it definitely uh, it definitely hurt my enjoyment of the movie. Well, I, what's funny is I don't care much for the kills right. but i like i like the discovery of the kills yes. if that makes sense yes no like it's um the the body in like the in the dryer that's my favorite one that one gets me every time the one later when he's like setting up the joke with like the thing that pops out Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And then he like opens it again and it, like a body falls out. Yeah, no. And the other one is like the body that falls, I think, when they're in the mine, when they're like climbing out. Yes, yeah, so I that I wrote that down. So the uh that's so I saw this on Halloween H2O this week as well. Like there were, okay, so first of all, Halloween H2O has a million fake scares, which are the mm-hmm. most annoying thing in a, you can get one or two yeah. away with one or two of those. But Halloween H2O has so many moments where somebody like will grab Jamie Lee Curtis and be like, hey. And it'll, like, scare her. And, you know, I mean, yeah. she's dealing with PTSD, and I understand why they're doing it. But it literally skates on that for an hour before there's actually a scare. Uh, and then when the, when the kills start happening in Halloween H2O, they're all off screen. All of them. And I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? Whereas My Bloody Valentine <laughs> has a bunch of off-screen kills that, like... So, Adam, you would have seen an off-screen kill, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. You would have seen it in the, um, the laundry room. Uh, in my bloody Valentine, and I don't. F- and I d- was there a scene where I'm sure the scene happened where the I think the cop comes in and, and finds her body, but it's in it's in the dryer. I don't yeah. think you would have seen the reveal of the body. Uh, you barely see it. You, it like cuts. It'll show it for a second, and it cuts away. Right. Gosh. The uncut version shows like a really good effect of this woman who has been in a, in a dryer overnight. You know what I mean? Like, it, which, yeah. you know, it doesn't really make any sense. If, if, uh, if the miner's not coming in and feeding it quarters all night, it, I don't think it would keep running, but um, yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of like what Justin said, like he'll kill, like someone will get grabbed by the head or something and then we'll just cut away from it. And I'm th- I think in your version of the movie, Adam, we never go back to see what happens to that body, <laughs> which is, you're right. It's kind of a lame version of a slasher movie, but then the characters in this movie will like find the bodies and you'll be like, Oh, that's how that person died. Like that's really intense. Um, it, it yeah. was funny because I remember specifically thinking like I saw it for a second, um, the body out of the laundry machine. And I thought, Whoa, they put so much detail into that. Why didn't they let us linger on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Canadian MPAA. It's funny. So watching all these slasher movies, uh, I wrote a slasher movie that I'm hoping to make in the next couple of years. I am digging back into that script tonight to add slightly more slasher tendencies to that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a cheesy way, but it's funny because My Bloody Valentine is you can learn so much from 
these things that I like forgot existed, like the off-screen kill. It's like something that like yeah. a real horror fan would say that I don't have in my vocabulary. But uh, <laughs> take it away, Justin. Like, go go nuts. Yeah, I was just gonna say like it's an interesting way to do it because if you're when you're focusing more on the act, like watching the actual kill, it's kind of putting you more in the point of view of the killer. Whereas if you're finding the bodies later, you're kind of more in the point of view of like, like the, I guess the friends of the, or the people around the kills. Like it's, I feel like it, like it gives you a different reference point yes. for the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're finding the body at the same time that the, um, the character in the movie is finding the body. I, I think that's, that's a good way of, it's just good filmmaking. I mean, that's the yeah. reveal itself is, is cool. We get the thrill of potentially seeing the death happen and then we cut away from it and then we and then we find it i mean it's it, that's it's just it's just funny how that's a technique that even in 1981 uh, to your point i guess they're they're kind of um perfecting at this point right and it's kind of like the antithesis to uh black christmas where you're like in the literal point of view of the killer as they're like yeah you kind of like see him stalking around and like the kills are more personal if that makes sense. Yeah, and he like in, in Black Christmas, like we actually see him like wrapping up the girl in the. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like in the chair and stuff. Yeah, and I love that movie, yeah. but you're by definition, it's less effective when the character later finds that right, person because you watched it happen. Exactly, and that was more visceral and disturbing than finding the body. <laughs> it's just not. There's no surprise to it at all. You right, know exactly. Uh, but what what that movie does interestingly is that like no one else. There's one person who finds the girl up in the attic. Right, she dies. So then right. no one else finds that girl in the attic. So we end the movie on a shot pulling out from that girl right. in the attic. Like, yo, there's still a dead girl in this attic. Which exactly. Is, so you know that there's a thrill that will happen off screen after the movie, which is even more fun. Anyways, we're not talking about Black Christmas. So um, <laughs> uh, for anybody who's not on the same page already of this movie, I'm just going to read through the synopsis real quick. Uh, like I mentioned, it was made in 1981. Uh, it was directed by George uh, Mahalka. Do we know anything else that George Mahalka has moved on? Has, uh, I didn't know. I would have never guessed who the director of this movie was. Uh, looks... I looked at his letterbox. It was not promising. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. See, he can just hop into the genre, make a classic, and hop right out. Uh, it's about 20 years ago in the sleeping mining town of Valentine Bluffs, of course. A fatal mining disaster occurred on Valentine's Day, of course, while some of the crew were decorating for a party. Yeah, I love the backstory in this movie and how like yeah. weirdly specific it is. I love it. I think it's so like the the atmosphere and like the town is like the strongest part of the movie for me. You know what I had forgot about was and by the way, we we're, from here on out we're going to be outwardly spoiling uh, my bloody Valentine from 1981. Uh, Adam, sound the alarm, please. Ding 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 ding. Okay. <laughs> um, I had forgotten that there was a reveal that it wasn't just the gucks. It wasn't Harry Warden. <laughs> it wasn't the gucks. It wasn't the gucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what you all. said oh, oh oh okay sorry it wasn't the uh, gucks I, I had forgotten that it wasn't harry warden it'd be like it'd be like the killer we gotta put that on a t-shirt by the way that's the new <laughs> catchphrase for ghost party radio i didn't even realize i said that it wasn't the gucks wasn't the gucks and then you shrugging on the back <laughs> um so the uh, the reveal of this was more scream than it was like it'd be like Halloween ending and being like oh it wasn't Michael Myers like what right. <laughs> uh, right. I had forgotten that that was even a so it actually genuinely surprised me uh, which which I really enjoyed um, but yeah so uh, of the lore the lore behind the slasher the something happened twenty years ago type thing that's always fun I, I love I love that setup in a movie yeah I love because it's I mean like. What works the best for me in this movie is kind of that it has um, 
it, it's it's kind of like the last picture show of like slasher films <laughs> you know yeah. it's like this like really quaint not midwest because it's like a canadian mining town mm. but it's like a working class like you know like just like they're like coal coal miners steel workers you know like union just like blue collar workers like the entire industry there is essentially just this coal mine you know and it's it just feels really like helpless like all these people have are like this little valentine's dance you know and they haven't been able to have it for 20 years and like all they really do is like they either go drink at this like bar that's like inhabited by all these old creepy guys or they go drink at like a junkyard you know like like you don't have a lot of options and then you have um the one guy who like actually tries to leave the town (laughs) and like it's interesting because most of the time you have that like annoying character who's like constantly talking about leaving right but like in this movie it's starting after the fact that dude already tried to leave failed and came back with his tail between his legs to his like ex-girlfriend who he just like left not his brother. What? His friend. Oh, I thought it was his brother. Watch the no. movie. What the fuck? I thought that was. I thought that was his brother. No. Dude. Oh shit. Um, that sucks. That's, that's bad. Hilarious. That's bad writing. Um. Yeah. No. That's Pearl Harbor. That's like that's essentially what's going on. Is like you've got like you know, but yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's, it, it kind of gives it a unique twist on that story. Right. But I do just love the kind of like dusty empty like sad town that they live in yeah and it's like and like in a lot of slashers it's like oh they're like you know they're like in the suburbs and they're like middle class rich kids who are just like having sex all the time and they're just promiscuous and carefree or like they're at a summer camp and they're just like throwing caution to the wind and just partying and like Mm -hmm. having a fun life and like this movie's like really bleak yeah it's like um that someone watched deer hunter and was like, <laughs> was like honestly yeah <laughs> yeah no i know i noticed that too that I, I this is my i think third time seeing this movie and i was like oh yeah this is like a, kind of a portrait of like a a blue collar canadian mining town it's so right. interesting i was like yeah, you're right it's like all these people have and like there and i love a town that just has this one horrible legend kind of looming over yeah. it you know like the in haddonfield illinois is like exactly if 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 michael myers comes back every 20 years to do a murder spree like I'm probably not not living in Haddonfield. I'm I'm leaving town that weekend. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I'm not going to stick around. Whereas this one was a little more random, I suppose. Like I think people yeah. didn't expect a old Axel to to don the uh, the Harry Warden costume. <laughs> what a name! Which yeah, that like the 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 outfit is awesome. Like the the whole like yeah. the gas mask and like the the pickaxe and the jumpsuit. Like it's spooky as hell. Yeah, I mean the use of the pickaxe. I mean Adam doesn't even doesn't even get to see the part where he puts it through some dude's like yeah and like drags him along the floor. Yeah, it's like pretty brutal. And uh, they show that. Well, but did you see the part where his eyeball popped out? No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You you got a bunch of kills like 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 out of the frame he's moving something towards someone and the person goes like ugh <laughs> like blood you, comes you watch out of the... The, you watch the Disney Plus version <laughs> <laughs> yeah he the same channel he watched those Charlie Brown specials on and he's like oh my bloody Valentine interesting uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on the remake Justin I've never seen it I probably never will uh, I, I've never seen the Black Christmas remake I, I just uh, genuinely avoid this uh, my buddy Valentine remake I think is regarded as pretty decent actually uh, I saw it opening night in 3d and uh, <laughs> oh yeah it's called my bloody Valentine 3d for uh, those who don't know yes that's right it's not the third one though 
they which would have been a perfect name for my bloody valentine three that's that's friday the 13th part three is 3d yeah i wish uh, i had three d's <laughs> jesus christ what go on well no explain that joke i'll stop the show cold turkey explain that joke to me you don't get it are you saying i wish i had three d's yeah why don't you go ask jen she'll explain jesus that. christ I've got to go pick her up and work here pretty soon. So let's, let's wrap up this, this bullshit conversation. Yeah. My buddy Valentine 3D has a 2.5 on Letterboxd. Hey, I, and, I, and I called it highly, highly regarded. Jesus <laughs> um, not to derail it too much, but uh, do, uh, do you have any other like slasher recommendations? I think this is going to be the only time we're ever going to be able to talk about slashers this season. So um, I, I, obviously we've covered the... Uh, Black Christmas is the Halloween's the even April Fool's days. We've talked about Friday the 13th. Um, uh, you don't, you don't have to stay within the holiday genre. Do you have any other favorites? I will say a holiday slasher that I haven't seen is uh, new year's evil. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah. So I know That's what we're watching. One. It's a great name. And I, and I, um, I, I know what we're watching uh, this year on new, around new year's. That'll be a blast. Um, other ones. I like, um, intruder is really good oh wow that's that's a deep cut yeah uh, have you seen it yeah that's the one with uh ted raimi S- sam raimi oh. oh i thought ted raimi was in it ted bundy sam raimi shows up he's like a cop oh oh yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like sam raimi seconds. no shit yeah. okay yeah, yeah. I, I have seen that one yeah um super good super underrated super cool kills just like i really that's one of my favorites for sure um i mean the burning is cool yeah yeah uh the Prowler is cool. <laughs> yeah, they had nineteen, both nineteen eighty one movies. What a what a year for slasher movies and just <laughs> you, horror in general. You've got such a hard on for nineteen eighty one. I mean, I'm literally movies. doing a whole program of ten movies from nineteen eighty one. Just a great year. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, like mostly the main ones. My favorite franchise is actually the Friday the Thirteenth one. Oh, I didn't answer, which, ask you that earlier, huh? Yeah, so that's my favorite franchise, and it's funny because. My Bloody Valentine was actually Paramount as well. Right. And My Bloody Valentine came out the year after Friday the 13th. Yeah. And because Friday the 13th was like such a massive success, My Bloody Valentine, well, I wrote this down. It was, uh, the budget was $2.3 million <laughs> and they grossed $5.7 million mm-hmm. and Paramount considered it a failure yeah. because of how strong the metrics were on Friday the 13th. And yeah, because yeah. of that, that's why they never made a sequel to My Bloody Valentine, which is crazy because the ending is like perfectly set up for a sequel. Like they literally just like, you know, glue the cliffhanger ending on there. Yeah. And they're like, all right, guys, take it away. Super strong ending, by the way. I love the ending of this movie. Yeah. Haunting as he like dances away, like with that like creepy, like little chant with the reverb. And the so weird. Just go right into the like folky credits, like country song and it's oh, it's a song so about uh, harry harry warden right and yeah it's, it's an original song it's like about valentine it's like, like not it's bad it's, it's not bad at all actually um it's pretty good yeah this would have been the year that friday the 13th part two came out i mean so yeah. they just probably saw that and we're like let's just go with that uh and just yeah. continue down that that road but and i personally think like because they didn't franchise this it, it kind of like kept it in like a more pure state hmm. like i feel like there's something about like if they had made four of these and like, or even if they had just made like one or two, like the sleepaway camps or like the slumber party massacres, which I feel like this is probably more closely like in that kind of camp, but not with like the major slasher juggernauts. Right. 
But like even those, like I feel like those were kind of soiled a little bit by their like, not even like bad sequels, but just like unwatchable trash, like money grab straight to video. Right. You know? Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't end up, you know, they made the sequel 30 years later or whatever, but I, I don't think, I think at this point they're so far removed from each other. It's like, whatever. I also wrote down this, uh, the 81 version of this movie only has been logged 29,000 times on Letterboxd <laughs> and the 2009 version was 31,000. So more people have logged the sequel or the remake than the original. Wow. Which bums me out. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. I, I mean, I'm I'm wrong, and you're gonna immediately point out an exception to the rule. But it's like, the ones that stick around and you don't have to rediscover are ones like the ones that get the sequels, right? It's like that's the reason mm-hmm. why people don't probably talk about My Bloody Valentine so much is because it didn't get that sequel. Had it had it gotten the sequel, people may might might talk about it like they do a Halloween or Friday. Although I guess Black Christmas didn't get a sequel, and that that eventually was unearthed, but. You know, if there was a Black Christmas 2 and a Black Christmas 3, throughout time it would have just stayed relevant. So that's why these movies kind of have to be unearthed. Um, my, my my two recommendations for slashers that people don't talk about enough are uh, Terror Train from 1980, uh, mm-hmm. which I've seen like twice in the last like two years, which is really weird <laughs> that I've, I've done that. But uh, uh, last year it celebrated a 40th anniversary. Uh, John Alcott shot that, which is uh, crazy. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like Kub- Kubrick's guy. Yeah, right? it's like the guy who shot Barry Lyndon shot Chair Train, and it's funny because when it starts, there's a shot of a train coming at you, and you're like, "That looks incredible! Like, who, who the <laughs> fuck shot this?" And then you look it up, you're like, "Oh, okay." And then, um, uh, House on Sorority Row is, is good. Uh, I like yeah, I like it. that one. Um, it's it's a little slow, but there's some really fun reveals in there. Um, some blind spots that I have, I have not seen Sleepaway Camp, which people rave about. Oh man, I actually almost picked that, but I don't, I don't like love it as much as this one. I just think it would have been an interesting movie to kind of discuss. Yeah, I, I, I maybe, maybe next year we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Sleepaway Camp. I'll, yeah, I'll save cool. it. And then uh, there's another one here in Letterbox that's pretty highly rated, three point one. I've never heard of. It's from 1972. Oh wow, so this is probably not a slasher movie then, because this predates Black Christmas. But it's called Deathline. Have you ever heard of this? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Uh, maybe I should watch it. It's uh, it's about there's something pretty grisly going on underneath the tunnels of London between Holborn and Russell Square when a top civil servant becomes the latest to si- disappear down there. Scotland Yard starts to take the matter seriously. Helping them are a young couple who get nearer to the horrors underground than they wish they would. Uh, huh. Doesn't really. It sounds more like a uh, murder mystery. And they re-released it, or they released it in the U.S. under the title Raw Meat. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, is uh, is it uh, midnight? Is is midnight meat train a reference to this movie? I don't know. Uh, interesting. Um, that actually reminded me though, the tagline for this movie and the poster for this is like one of my favorites of all time. I don't know if you, if you've seen the poster, but it's awesome. That... And the tagline is "There's more than one way to lose your heart," which <laughs> slaps. That's, Especially that's if you good. watch it, because there's like like human hearts being like sent around and shit. So that is the that is the craziest part of the movie is that the way the you know the palette of the movie and the way it starts and how Canadian it is and it's like surprising people are you know the the shitty joke about this movie is oh I'm surprised that every time Harry Warden kills someone or Axel kills someone he doesn't say sorry 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 it's like ah oh, it's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. But um, right. then you see literal like ripped out human hearts being sent to people, and you're like, "Whoa, Jesus!" Yeah. Um, Adam, I wrote down one joke about this movie, and it's when they're pulling into Valentine Falls. Is I think it's the name of this town, and it says a little town with a big heart. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, uh, hey, it's like similar to what I call Adam. I call him uh, uh, Little Town with a Big Heart. I call him uh, Big Boy with a Big Hog. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, no problem, dude. We, we, don't, we don't roast each other on this show anymore. <laughs> uh, Adam really sitting on the sideline during this episode, I noticed. <laughs> I feel... I feel Justin loves this movie so much. How can I just yeah. come in here and poop all over it? You know, but but also when you heard there was an uncut version of the movie, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, at the same time, but the, I can get into it if you want me to. No, I mean, I just know you're gonna say it's like cheesy and not like compelling and shit like that. But it's like this is coming on the heels of us talking about like how this is the time of year we like to just sit down and kind of just watch <laughs> shitty movies. Which I don't, I don't think this is a shitty movie. So. Um, I I played it as a drive-in, uh, and and people showed up and had a blast with it, and I was so happy. It, you know, the movie gets a little dark towards the end visually, so uh, I remember it being like, "Ooh, I can't see the screen that well at the drive-in." But uh, uh, yeah, I I think people are are rediscovering it, and um, this is super pretentious, but as a programmer, it's like kind of like it's kind of like my job to like play my bloody Valentine twice a year. You know what I mean? Just to keep it mm-hmm. going and be like, and I don't know how many people showed up to it the last few days, but I noticed that the numbers were not that high. Like this movie just doesn't pop. Yeah. Uh, but if we played it on Valentine's day, I'm sure it would do a lot better, obviously. But Adam, uh, what, what, Adam, what's your fucking beef? <laughs> I think that so much of this movie did not work at all. I think the blocking was just, awful um there's a scene too where they're like they're going around and they're doing their exposition dialogue which is all they know how to do and it's uh the uh, mayor and uh the first woman who dies what's her name what the, fuck? the old the old woman yeah. i don't know her name yeah they're why like would talking, we know her name they're talking about it and they're like walking and they specifically stop and they're side to side not even facing each other to have this whole conversation so that the camera can look at them both at the same time with nothing going on in the background. It's like ridiculous. And that carries on through the movie. I also think this. Yeah, go ahead. I also think that the chemistry between these actors and people did not work (laughs) at all. You guys are saying like, this is a nice little portrait of like a town. I didn't think so. They weren't saying nothing. They were just like trying to come up with some lines. Oh yeah, I don't know. And then at one point later on, they just they don't understand the character arc trajectory because at one point the two main dudes are like i don't know yeah i kind of like him but we're gonna have to beef and then the next scene that they're in they're like all right let's go i hate you like all right chill guys i thought you guys liked each other a little bit what's going on and then the very end where they're we find out that it's actually the guy who's playing the minor this time around i'm like oh yeah look at that really like uh, birth of a victim over here who sees a person who kills his parents and then becomes him. That's his sort of revenge, I guess. All right. <laughs> his, his justification is like very weird. Like it's, it's for sure the weakest part of the movie. <laughs> and he's yeah. crazy all of a sudden, by the way, it, but <laughs> it almost feels like they shot the movie and then there was like a studio, yeah, like yeah. they watched it and they were like, why did like, we need to give him a reason. And they're like, I don't know. He watched his dad die. That, Cause they never address it any other time in the movie. <laughs> I, I, I think that it's possible that you're right about the studio note, but the studio note was 
that the movie like maybe initially ended with it just being Harry Warden, like just being a guy who yeah. got his revenge, and they were like, no, 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 we need like we need to know it was like Jason's mother, not J-. you know what I mean? Like they like a twist yeah. needed to be in there. And now, Adam, I will give you one thing, and I will say that yes, that quote unquote reveal at the end is, is pretty weak. Like like being like uh, the, the psychological nature of it doesn't quite make sense. But yeah. I, uh, I like we, that we, the sheriff, the sheriff, when they they find that heart, um, the sheriff is like. Or they take it to the uh, coroner to research it, and the coroner's like, "Yeah, guys, well, Harry Warden's back," and <laughs> and the cop is like, "All right, I'm gonna chill because now we know exactly who it is. It's obviously the guy who's locked up who's killing out. So we'll just wait and see what happens." No, he calls them to try to find the records, and they can't find the records, and they say it'll be a couple days. Yeah, so he's chilling. The murders are going on, but what hey, I'm pretty he sure it's do? this one dude. There's 19 people in this town. I don't know, I'll do something. Adam doesn't understand bureaucracy. He doesn't understand <laughs> red tape. Yeah, cut red through tape, it, baby. Man. It doesn't stop me. What do you think? This is a movie? I will say, Adam, I'll give you props for sitting on the sidelines this entire episode. Then finally, when I give you a chance to air your grievances, you just yell for three minutes. I, I enjoyed that. That's the thing. Uh, is like I totally understand where loving this movie comes from. And I think it's kind of like we were talking about in the last episode, Trevor, that I didn't see this when I was younger. I didn't find this, you know, as sort of like a gem in the rough. I I was forced to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) And it just, it doesn't, you know, my sensibilities, I think, go pretty differently to what this movie is. Yeah, no shit. Um, We we, 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 we definitely watch movies differently because when you started complaining about the blocking in this movie, I was like, oh. Yeah, I literally was like, dude, it's not this movie. Like, what are you you looking for? That's the thing. It's like, what makes a a movie enjoyable to me is something that I can't see how it's made. You know, I don't want to know the reasons behind it. And so what often, it makes me look like a snob because it's usually, you know, the the more revered movies but at the same time it's also like the bottom of the bucket movies that aren't trying at all you know <laughs> they don't have don't know what a structure is so they're just well, doing whatever i'll say I, I, there's a million slashers probably that were made in the year 1981 that i could guarantee you don't have half the craft this movie does i mean um, i could also guarantee that but what, what i don't understand <laughs> why why this I guess is so revered. The miner um, is just a nothing villain, in my opinion. There's that one scene where um, the two main people are like in the tunnel and the miner's finally coming after him and they have a shovel that they're defending themselves with and suddenly the miner can't touch him. He's killing like nobody's business, but these guys found a shovel and now they're, they're invincible with it. Yo, shovels are serious business, bro. I don't know if you've ever wielded a shovel, but you can you can do some damage. It, it, it was such like a weird scene to shoot because it completely takes the horror out of this this villain character because he's just like swiping, trying really hard, and it's shot in a wide from the side, and you're like, holy cow, come on, dude, I could get him. It's called drama. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then yeah. let, also if we can go back to the scene where that guy's setting up the prop door, um, how stupid is this guy that he needs to open the door three times, walk away, and then be like, I should do it a fourth time. Again, it's drama. <laughs> if, if the body fell out the first try, there's no buildup. It's whatever. Uh, it should have been on. the third try then when he's come opening it because we all know what's going to happen there. It was actually a pretty clever device to, to give cr- credit to that guy to rig it together. Um, I will. I will say that the line, uh, the uh, one of the killer lines of slasher movies is, 
Uh, I think it's somebody like the guy runs in the room and says like, Harry Warden is back. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and it's real, like, that is not a Canadian line to me. I love that. Dude, I love the hilarious line. I think Patty is, is the woman's name mm. where she's like describing her dress. She's like, oh, it's like sliced up to here and it's like cut down to here. I may not make it out of here alive. And then she starts like giggling and walks away. Yes. I, that, like, oh, I did like guys, that. I like that tongue and cheek stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah, Adam, it sounds like you might want your like like your slashers just a lot sillier. Like I, I think yeah. you want yeah, I think you like that wink at the camera, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It, I mean it sounds like it's either you want it like ultra pretentious or literally the trashiest horror movie. And I, I kinda like them more upper middle, I guess. <laughs> like, com- yeah. competently made, but also not like necessarily an art film i think that you'll love terror train Uh, 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 wait no uh, and how how, which which one hadn't you seen house and sorority row yeah i think i've seen terror train okay yeah i think those is jamie lee judge jamie lee curtis right yeah 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 i'm pretty sure i've seen those are both Uh, i would i would call upper middle for sure okay i think you're absolutely right there like i loved uh f and deep rising I think I think that movie rules, but it's very because it's it's it knows what it is the whole entire time. Yeah, but so that's a movie that I hated, and I yeah. and, and it's funny because that's a movie where I'm like, this movie is so poorly put together, <laughs> but they had the fifty million dollars to to do something about it. You know what I mean? Whereas like mm-hmm. I'm just not watching the blocking. Like I will compliment yeah. the blocking and like the master. Like, I'll notice blocking when it's good, but I'm not going to notice bad blocking in Sleepaway Camp 4. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. Yeah. So, uh, but hey, listen, <laughs> but we all watch movies differently. <laughs> if, I can, if I can leave it with this, and, and that's what made it so hard, I think Trevor could make a better movie than this one. Ooh. Oh, God. That's a, uh, don't listen to him. Uh, or die trying. John, what's the guy's name? <laughs> what's the director's name? John McCall or something? Don't listen Hammer to him. Don't George Mac- McCauley? George, <laughs> I don't fucking know. Don't listen to him, Robert Zemeckis. I think he directed this. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get out of here, uh, Justin. Do you have anything else that you want to say about my buddy Valentine? Yeah, you should uh, go listen to them. They're one of my favorite <laughs> bands. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> oh wow, um, yeah. So I love how the show always just comes to a. a com- I, I just don't want to talk to Adam anymore. Really. <laughs> See, that's why I was holding off. Now everyone hates no, me. No, no, no. I th- I thought it was good. I thought that when you actually had a chance to go at it, you got you went at it pretty hard. Like I I appreciate that you let us talk about you know, like our varying levels of liking the movie. And uh, I, I, who wants to listen to a podcast where three guys just talk about how much they like a 1981 slasher movie. I mean, every podcast is like that, but a pretentious asshole. Um, <laughs> Look, so you're not uh, wrong. <laughs> de- definitely the snob side of me is what made it so hard hey, to watch this, which yeah, sucks. Trevor can vouch. I'm one of the snobbiest movie people you'll ever meet. I, <laughs> so yeah, I, I can get into some slasher. Yeah, so Adam, what is your what is your genre? Is it parody? Like, what where do you where do you drop the snobby? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I it's I think it's just specific movies that tickle me. Like, I love. I think Kung Pao is amazing, and uh, but that's like that's like a that's like a genre blender, like intentionally. Yeah, I don't even know what you call. Is it a parody? Do we technically call that a parody? I would I call it a parody. Yeah, I think so. And I think I mean, yeah, maybe a parody. Although I wouldn't ever watch like. Um, disaster date, movie, date or movie super yeah, scary, yeah, scary movie three slaps. That's my take. I mean, scary movie one through three slaps. <laughs> yeah, I, like I might enjoy those. I love you know going back to like Naked Gun and 
airplane rules big okay time. so you like parody spoof <laughs> movies then that, so disaster movie is your favorite movie <laughs> that might be it although i don't like young frankenstein so oh jesus christ uh, uh that, an absolute masterpiece uh, and Justin i also Wall. don't like godfather 2 putting it out blazing there. saddles <laughs> i haven't seen it okay well you know that they they couldn't uh, you know what i always say they couldn't make blazing saddles today because they're dead well, no, because they'd just be the same. Oh, that's the joke. Yeah, uh, that would no, be a Mel Brooks joke. No, the joke is no, because it'd be the same movie, and people would say, this is just Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Justin, do you have anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? No. <laughs> I, I didn't think so. Uh, is there anywhere anybody can follow you? No. Not on Letterboxd? You don't, ha- you don't have a Letterboxd? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for that third no in that same cadence. Uh, Adam, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, follow Justin at. Uh, just kidding, I could have done that. Um, I don't know. I don't know his letterbox. He definitely has one though. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. I just know his Instagram. Um, but follow me on my letterbox at Adam Three M's, and check out my web. Thank you. Check out my website, Adam J C Wagner, where I post the stuff I make. I'm gonna go follow you, Adam Three M's. We uh, we laugh about how bad our letterbox names are on the show, so I'm sure yours couldn't be worse than ours. But my letterbox is at Captain Dills. I'm personal on Twitter and Instagram at Trevor Dills, and always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all of their socials. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Smash that follow button on Spotify. Blah blah blah. Adam, we're on Google Podcasts still. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, this was a fun episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. And Justin, thanks for bringing on My Bloody Valentine and uh, being on our second ever episode of Scary Boys, Scaring Boys. I know we've been looking forward to uh, chatting with you about horror movies because because he's right, Adam. He is pretty fucking snobby generally. So what the other day he sent a, a text into the chat. It was like the group chat, Adam. The group chat that we're in yeah, that you're not thank in. You. He, uh, he sent a thing that was like, I just love like kind of like disarmingly watching bad horror movies around this time of year. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot you do that around this time of year. So, uh, yeah. October. Trevor was trying to get me on the November 1st episode. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> the holiday hangover. Yeah. Just so, just oh. so Adam and the listeners know we are going to extend scary boys, scaring boys, uh, throughout the year from now on, if anyone wants to come on and talk about horror movies, that's what, that's the show we'll do. So I'm hoping uh, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll, 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 expose you, we'll, expose you, we'll expose you to some good horror movies that you'll like. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the ones that are three hours long and boring as shit. Come on. Uh, let's go. Hey, I'm watching Quietin this week. I'm stoked. What is it? Quietin? Oh, what is this? I've seen that one. The, the three-hour Japanese one? Uh, it's like an uh, anthology ghost stories or something? Uh, is it the one with like the mask that I know that's really scary? It's the face with all of the writing on it. Uh, Kobayashi, baby. It's in, I think it's in the... Uh, the brain dead lobby There's like a giant poster of it. Oh, yeah. you, you know that director uh trevor he's the one who ate all those hot dogs yeah 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 ha 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 very funny <laughs> uh, my hero kobayashi <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. all right let's get out of here thank you all for listening to ghost party radio adam we have officially bloodied the valentine not bad bye 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 the time, bitch. <laughs>